0: Wow, friends. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, it's hard for me to believe that we have made it now through four weeks in our series, The Four Horses of the Apocalypse. Is this the end? And I want to thank the many of you who have tracked together with me, have prayed for me, who have attended to our times together, and we, we, seek, to, we seek today to invite the full blessing of God as he promised it upon the reading of his word from the vision of the revelation. But Jesus offered us an additional promise, not only for the reading, but Jesus said, blessed are you when you do these things, his commands to us. And so may God's blessing be upon you in your hearing, but also in your doing, especially in light of today's truth. Now there was a time in my life when I was so full of myself. I mean, perhaps it'd be argued that I still am, but so full of myself. I was arrogant, I was proud, uh, and the irony was I was still empty. Full of myself, but empty. So I tried to fill the emptiness uh, with things. Stuff that I wanted, like um, achievement, musical and academic, or pleasures, whether it was through parties, or mind-bending substances, or pornography, Uh, but I never found what I was looking for until I met Jesus Christ. That's the truth. But I didn't know that he had what I was looking for until I met him. That's how it happened for me. You know what made me look his direction? Now, there was a hunger in my heart, yes. That wasn't fully it. There was, uh, my soul was in moral conflict, yes. Um, So that was part of it. I'd been raised to do the right thing Don't lie, don't steal, don't hurt people. My parents were church-going Christians. They never drank, they never cussed, you know. Uh, But in my teens, I started doing things with my friends that uh, were very different from the way I had been raised. And so then, as a rebellious, arrogant university student with a hole in my heart, I found myself facing my own mortality. Underline that word, mortality, as a consequence for my own choices. I was facing death. I was hopeless and considered taking my own life. I was messed up and I saw no reason to go on. All my reasons um, had failed. It was a pale horse moment for me. And then I met Jesus. Well, today we meet the fourth horse of the apocalypse the pale one, the color of death. You ever been told you look like death warmed over? Well, this is the color of death. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, it is appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So this may not be your favorite color in the box, but we all have an unbreakable appointment with death. When that reality hit home, To me, as a young adult, it was my opportunity to open the door of my life to Jesus Christ and receive what he called the gift of eternal life. The quality of life that never dies, even though this body does. Life in Christ doesn't. Now, as I prepared this message, I read some of it to Lisa, my wife, and I asked her how she felt about it. Here's what she said. She said, you know, people are depressed, people are sad, Um, they're feeling down already. It's gonna be hard to hear a talk about death. So all the hope that you can put in this is going to be, is, is going to be helpful. What if we had enchiladas? I mean, seriously, that's what she said. Of course, I had asked her just as she was considering what leftovers we were gonna have for lunch. Uh, And then I read her precise comments back to her and she said, so are you gonna say that? And I said, yeah, I think so. Because it is hard. But God still wants us to enjoy our enchiladas. So maybe more about that later in the talk. But please don't turn me off today. Don't tune me out hear me as a deeply caring friend. If you're a part of the Christ Journey family, then hear me as your pastor, as as a pastor who cares about you and who wants to ask God to bless you fully in this life and in the next. If you're a guest or a seeker with us today and you're considering the claims of Christ upon your life and what he has to offer you, then think of me as a flawed but but hope-filled fellow traveler who... um, who has found something in Jesus that helps me and will help you even in in facing the darkest sorrows and the deepest troubles of this life, even death. But denial is not the solution. Avoiding the subject or pretending that it's not gonna happen, that is not the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'd like for you to know this, I've prayed for you. For every listener who is going to be tuning into this talk, I am asking, I have been asking, that God, God's Spirit will open your ears, will open your eyes, will open your heart, will open your life to what he has for you, even if the way to it is through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would find him in these moments together. I once served as a pastor of students at a church in Oklahoma. And um, we did something there we called Encounter. We would go, it was like field trips to do experience learning around town to explore topics in their environment. So we went to the hospital, talked to doctors and nurses. We went to uh, other religions in town, talked to their leaders. One of the ones that had the greatest impact that I'm remembering uh, was to a funeral home. And some of our young people didn't want to go. Uh, the, the thought of it was spooky. It was Some were afraid. It kind of creeped them out, you know, to be where, where death was. The thought of dying. And yet here's the reality. Death is part of life. During this COVID quarantine so far, I have officiated multiple funerals and attended even more. Uh, I, in addition, I have called in to others that I wasn't able to attend. And uh, on Zoom, one of the uh, tragic hardships of quarantine is the reality that people die with no loved one at their bedside. Maybe you remember the tagline from the movie Braveheart. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. The pale horse is saying that. And then giving us our opportunity to find hope in Christ if we will. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over one fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, plague, and by the beasts of the earth. The fourth horse, the fourth horse, death, is where the first three horses are leading. And Hades is the name of the abode of the dead. But here, the fourth horse, perhaps you noticed, in addition to war, bloodshed, economic hardship, is, uh, has also added two other threats, wild beasts of the earth and plague, symbols of nature out of control. So the time of the end will be marked by natural catastrophe in the created order. Jesus in Matthew 24, Peter in Acts chapter two, both refer to signs that were foretold by prophets in the Old Testament, Bible prophets, who said that there would be a time of nature convulsing. The sun darkens, the moon gives no light. Symbols of nature dysfunctioning, of dysfunction in the natural order. Luke chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus said, there will be strange signs In the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by roaring seas, strange tides, weather systems. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. Later in Revelation 16, when the bowls of wrath are poured out on a rebellious world, we are reminded of the hardness of heart that Pharaoh and Egypt postured against God, even as the plagues were poured out until the people of God were rescued and then freed from those that enslaved them, the powers that enslaved them. But it was was plague and pestilence that it took. Dr. Gary Johnson is a pastor friend, executive director of the Miami Baptist Association, responsible for hundreds and hundreds of churches in our area. He recently did some research and discovered there have been about two dozen pandemic strike in all of world history. We've had smallpox, measles, leprosy, other diseases, take out large numbers of people all over the world. The first pandemic was in 430 B.C called the Athens pandemic. It wiped out about two thirds of the world population. It started in Northern Africa, and then it spread to Athens. The Justinian plague wiped out 50 million people and took almost two centuries to contain. The bubonic plague took one third of the world's population and then stopped the Vikings in their explorations. When European explorers, you've heard of this, When they came to the Americas, 90% of the Caribbean population died, and the Aztec empire was destroyed. Cholera had several waves and types in in that disease. It began in Russia, then it worked its way around the globe with some 15 million deaths. Now, in our time, the past 100 years, We've had the Russian flu, the Spanish flu, the Asian flu, HIV AIDS was discovered in America and then tra- traced back to Africa. There was SARS in 2003, several minor COVID viruses, and then COVID 19 began November 17, 2019, in China. It was officially termed a pandemic March 11, 2020, this year. And it has now spread to at least 163 different countries worldwide. So you can see and understand the the seriousness of this problem. So children, boys and girls, if you're watching as we're talking today, I, I simply want you to know that doctors are telling us the best way to stay safe from this virus is to wash your hands thoroughly and regularly. And then when you have to go out, then always wear a mask and keep your social distance. That's the way to stay safe from the virus. Now, speaking of the virus, we have several members of our church in healthcare care and uh, doctors, nurses, support people. So I asked one of our nurses if she would mind showing us what she wears to work every day. This is Zanja Moon, And you'll see what she's wearing. She's got scrubs, an overcoat, gloves, mask, a face shield addition to that. When she goes home at night, she enters her home through a side door into a side room, takes off all of her work clothes, and then takes a shower before she goes inside to be with her family. And then there, she and her husband, Jim, who also serves as a chaplain at the hospital, are quarantined from their own baby grandson who is there with his parents in the house. Now, I'm telling you that story because it reminds us of something these four horses show Human beings are fragile. Human beings are not invincible. We are vulnerable. We are all on a clock. And one day, time is up for each of us. In the four horses, God is making it unmistakably clear that sin kills. So, now, if that's our now, I don't know if you agree with me, but if that is our now, as we've stated, then, uh, then what's our how? If that's our now, if we're all living toward a date with death, inescapable, then what is our how? Whether Jesus returns next week or next year, or whether he catches us up in the air, or whether we stand before him on the other side of death, How do we, how do we do it? So may I offer some practical counsel? First, make peace with God. Make your peace with God. Prophet Amos chapter four, verse 12 says, prepare to meet your God. The key word there is prepare. You can prepare, it's possible to prepare. Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 44 says this, you must be ready. All the time, ready, all the time. For the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So how can you be ready? How can you be prepared to meet your God? Make peace with God before it happens. That's Jesus' answer. Receive God's forgiveness in Christ. You know, the way you live will most likely inform the way you die. So what I'm thinking is, if you want to die right with God, then the best way to do it is live every day right with God. So whenever you meet him, you'll already be in fellowship with him and ready for what lies before us. This is why John, who had the vision of the revelation, wrote in his epistles, his letters, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world. That word love there is the word agape. It means a self-sacrificing love. Don't place yourself in a point of sacrifice simply for this world order, this material world. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the imaginings of our coveting are the boasting of what he has and does. This doesn't come from the Father, but it comes from the world, the world system. That is four horses stuff that he's talking about. The world and its desires pass away. The fourth horse is coming. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. There's life beyond the four horses. Repeatedly in his gospel, John tells us that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, the quality of life that doesn't end. You're meant for more than simply this world. So make peace with God. By receiving Christ as your savior, let him be your prince of peace who brings his spirit of peace into your heart and lets you know a peace that transcends human understanding. Second, first, make peace with God. Second, make arrangements to help your family. This is very practical pastoral advice here. Like what? Like life insurance, like a will, like a prepaid memorial plan, like an advanced healthcare directive. It's also called a, uh, a living will. Let, let your loved ones know what scriptures or what songs you would like at your memorial celebration of life. It's uh, it's not morbid to prepare. You know what it is? It's love in action. It's faith showing courage. What would you like to happen at your heavenly homegoing party. Like I said, it takes courage, but it is a chance for you to share your hope and then to let others feel your love. And I got to tell you that I have done enough memorial services and homegoing celebrations to tell you how grateful loved ones on this side of your passing will be if you have made arrangements to help them before that day comes. Third, make the most of every day. Make the most of every day. Now we're talking enchiladas. Make the most of every day. Help others do the same in Christ, that we share what we have so others can get on board as well. He is our Savior who conquers death and gives eternal life. That's the celebration. So we make the most of every day. We don't live in denial of that fact. We're facing it head on right now. But listen, we are also enjoying our enchiladas. You're not so heavenly minded, you're not of any earthly good. You're experiencing all the good God has for us in this life because you're ready for the next. Receive it, lift up your heads. This is what Jesus said. We make the most of every day. We shower the people we love with love. We lift up our heads. We don't mope around uh, dragging our tail between our legs. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 21, lift up your heads as you see these things coming to pass. Why? How could we do that? Because we know God is for us in Christ. And that means we don't give in to futility or to unbelief. Futility says this, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we, you want to fill in the blank, shall die. It's like live like whatever, because this life is all there is. Jesus said, no, 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 this life is so much more than this life. Don't give in to futility. Jesus said this, Luke 21, verse 34, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness the slippery slope of substance abuse, or by the worries of this life, the distractions of material life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come. This is Jesus speaking. Upon everyone living on earth, your day of accountability before God will still come even if you try to drug or drink yourself into oblivion. You cannot party it away. That's not a threat. That's a fact. Voice of experience. But you can be ready if you will. And you know what? You can help others be ready too. Jamie Lynn McKinney-Rusk is a friend of mine. Her date with death came when she was 44. Uh, Her mother, Leslie, said I could share some of her story. So she wrote this that I'm about to read to you. She sent this to me, quote, during the end of her nearly eight and a half year battle with cancer, Jamie was in pain a great deal of the time and she had trouble sleeping. She would have her husband, Kevin, call me in the early hours of the morning and she would ask me to sing, to sing to her. Now, please know that in better days, if we were in the car, Leslie says, and the music was on and I'd want to sing along, she'd say, mom, please don't. So it wasn't the quality of my singing. But she always wanted me to sing the same song. Jesus loves me. I'm sure as a child, that was one of the first songs she'd learned at church. And I would sing until she could fall asleep. In her final months, she and her family moved in with us. and I would find her in all hours of the night on the couch, sitting up, trying to sleep. I would sit down, she'd put her head in my lap, I would stroke her hair, and again, singing her songs until she could rest. Her final 36 hours in the hospital were filled with family and friends at her bedside. She had already spared us the decision and told the doctor she would tell them when it was time. She wanted a party that evening. And so we were there eating pizza, Misha's cupcakes and sweet tea. As she tired, her friends surrounded her bed and she asked for singing. She wanted this little light of mine and then Jesus loves me. When it got quiet, she looked at each friend individually and uh, pointed a finger and, and said, do you know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Around the circle, do you know Jesus? She wanted them to be ready. And she wanted to know that they would all be together again. Are you ready? Now, if it bothers you to think about death like this, can I tell you, it bothered Jesus' disciples too. I mean, Jesus would talk about death. He would talk about his own death in his early 30s. And it bothered his disciples. Peter said, no, Lord, not you. So well, Maybe you wish that I would stop talking about it too. I want to say, don't be upset with me. Who else is going is to talk with you like this about it? Who else is going to help you understand how to be ready? Praise God if there are other people in your life who are. But if I'm the one for you today, then would you please listen and ask God to open your ears? These four horses are reminders from Almighty God about a story that the prophet Hosea told us that we, I mean, Isaiah, told us that we are all in right now. In Isaiah chapter 53, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've lost our way from God. Each of us has turned to his own way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its way ends in death, the fourth horse. And then the last verse in the chapter, speaking of God's suffering servant who was led like a lamb of sacrifice, verse 12, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, and he made intercession for the transgressors. John doesn't want us to miss this to the point in his gospel. He spells it out plain. Look, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has done everything required for us to receive eternal quality of life from God as his free gift of grace. And it makes some sense now that Jesus, back up to Revelation 4 and 5, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God slain on the throne is the one qualified to open the seals because he has done everything required for us to face and overcome the four horses and the other the other incidents that will proceed from the seals, the trumpets, the bowls, the sin of humanity. Jesus has made arrangements for his family. Receive them and then share them so that others can find hope and get ready as well. Or may I remind us as Jamie did in those final moments before she passed from this side to that.
1: This little light
0: of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, we are one. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. You know why he can come in? Because God so loves you that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, that if you believe in him, you will not perish. Your body will die but you will receive eternal life. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to decide. Would you pray with me as we prepare to meet our God? Gracious Almighty God, we thank you for your testimony in our lives, in our world throughout history, and in Jesus Christ that we are so loved that you would come personally yourself to bridge the gap and make a way for us to be restored, for our relationship, our broken relationship to be reconciled with you through the death of our Savior and his resurrection from the dead as you gave yourself to us in Christ. We pray right now for people who have trusted that message and have known you in it, that they would feel the presence of your spirit encouraging their hearts, lifting them to follow you even through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm especially praying now, Lord, for someone who knows this is their day of salvation. They've been religious, they've tried to do what's right. It's not fulfilling. They found themselves empty, just like I did, but are hungry for you. And so right now, Lord, I am praying for them that you would grant them grace to join me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. I turn from my way to follow you and go your way and invite you now to have your way in me as I receive you by faith. In your name I pray. Now, friend, if you prayed that prayer, that's just the beginning. That's the first step. Please let us walk with you in this journey. It's a Christ journey, but it doesn't end when this life does. We cross over, just as Jesus did, into the eternity that he has made for us. Be comforted with these words today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.